We're going to begin a brand new series this morning called I Love My Church, The Mission and Vision, Week 1. But before we get started, I brought some of these up with me, and I wonder if I might have three or four people that would be uh, willing to give some of these out. There's one. Just come on right up. I'm going to give you a couple of stacks of these, three, four, five people. So this goes really quick. I would throw them like I did last time. Uh, Just take that, maybe divide that up with Sarah. I need one more. Dave? Missy? All right. Just give each person like five or five of those or so, if you could. Hopefully this goes kind of quick. Yeah, just count them off. Five, five. Give them to each person. We've got plenty more if you guys run out. I'll throw them. You want me to throw them? I'll look right at that camera and throw them right at the camera. See, here's one for you, one for you, one for you, and one for you. What these are are invite cards. And I wanted to make sure we still have them in our hands, have plenty of them. Uh, There's a lot available. If you need more, we can get you more. There's usually some on the Welcome Center back there. But I wanted to get these into your hands because you know what? Guess what is right around the corner? What holiday? Not Valentine's Day. I get out. Easter. It's going to be here before you know it. And the fact is, we're just a couple months away, and it, it sneaks up on me every year. And, and, you know, there are two Sundays that are, people are more likely to accept an invitation to come to church. You know, and, and some people know those Sundays, and some people we have little nicknames, right? Maybe we call them CEOs, right? The Christmas and Easter only people. Or I like to call them creasters. Yeah, the creasters. But it's a great opportunity, and we poke fun a little bit, but it's a great opportunity for you to invite someone. And this makes it really easy. So take five, six of them home with you. And, you know, when you run into your friend at the grocery store or someone that you don't even know, uh, maybe you're out to lunch, you can leave it. Don't leave a $1 tip and leave this. Don't leave this if you do that. All right? Unless your meal was 10 cents. Leave these things behind. Be a good witness and give them to your friends and family. Do I have more? How many more do you need? A lot more? I got a whole other box over there. Here, take these. Make sure every person gets like five. But invite the friends, the co-workers. Invite them to Easter to come join us here because we're going to give you some tools to help you invite them this morning, and that's good. Our goal for this Easter is to invite our friends and co-workers and our neighbors that need to hear a gospel message because that's exactly what we'll have on Easter Sunday. A message especially for the unchurched people on that Easter Sunday. So there's your opportunity. If you need more, we have more of these invite cards. There's always some on the Welcome Center. But those are just some tools to put in your hands that you can easily just invite your friends. Hey, come here. Come to church. We have a good thing going. We want, we want you to come. All right. We're beginning this brand new series called I Love My Church. And let me tell you, that was an easy title for me to come up with because it's true. I love my church. And really, we good? The whole idea for this series came out of me looking at... You can leave them down there. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, they look good there. Yep. It's fine. Yeah. In fact, here's a couple more. But I was looking at some statistics, right? Uh, from this past year, as we kind of closed 2019, our church year isn't done for a few more months But I was going through a process and looking back at at some statistics that I need to take care of at the end of every year. And I realized how many people that attend our church now that weren't with us about a year ago. And I remembered that last year, if you remember, if you were here, some of you remember my sermons, some of you don't. That's fine with me. 
But I preached a sermon right around this time of year um, on Vision Sunday, and we discussed the mission and vision of the church. And how many remember a message called Hope, right? Anybody remember a slide that looked like that? It was a message of hope. And we talked about it almost a year ago and what hope stood for. Those three, those four, three letters, those four letters, H-O-P-E, hope, those four letters are sort of the four tenets, right? Not the, not so much the mission or the vision of the church, but the tenets. And one of the, the H, does anybody remember the H? Hospitality, very good. We're going to be a hospitable church. We're going to have car cruises. We're going to have Christmas dinners. We're going to have get-togethers. We're always going to be doing something. We're going to be a hospitable church that welcomes people in. I don't care your race, creed, color, nationality, any of that. You're welcome here, and you have value to God. So we're going to be hospitable to you. Anybody know what the O was? Opportunity, right. We're going to give people an opportunity to hear the gospel and then give those same people and you people an opportunity here in God's house to serve, right? So you all have an opportunity to be involved in the ministry here at GSN. How many remember what the letter P stood for? Purpose. Are you looking at your notes from last year? You are. I knew it. Cheater. Purpose, right. Because God designed you for a purpose. And how do you fulfill that purpose in a setting like this, in a gathering, in a body of believers? God helps you fulfill your purpose. And the last one that I really like, and you're not allowed to answer, the E. Anybody remember the E? Excellence, right. The God that we serve deserves our best. And everything that we are going to do in this place, we are going to do it with excellence or we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it halfway. We're going to do it to the best of our God-given abilities. You know, when we have a, an event, when we have a gathering, when we have a discipleship group, when we have something, we're going to do it with excellence. We're going to study up, we're going to pray up, and we're going to do it with our best in mind. Because the God that died for you deserves your best. We talked about those things. And, I'm, and the, the more I thought about that, the more I realized that there's a lot of people in this church today who weren't here to hear that message. You weren't able to, 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 to understand why we're here, why we are a church and what we do and how we do it and why we gather here every Sunday morning and what this place is all about. So for today and for this series, that's exactly what we're going to dive into. We're going to be talking about the church for the next several weeks, not the church, this church and puffing our chest and look how good we are. We're looking at the church, capital C, the church universal. And it's important to remind ourselves what we are doing as the church and to keep that at the forefront of our mind and our memories and we, as we live each day and we go about the ministry of this place as Christ's church here on this planet. Because the church really isn't a building. You guys know that, right? The church is you and me. The church is every believer and so for some of you that have joined us over the past year, this is going to be some new information, and I hope it will give you a better idea of the direction that we're headed as a church. And I hope certainly to inspire you to want to join us along with us in this journey. And at the end of this series, we're going to get an opportunity in a very practical way, a very real way, to contribute to the mission that we're doing here as General Shepherd Church of the Nazarene. So I'm excited about this series. I'm super excited because I love to talk about my church. I love to talk about this stuff. And not only because I know God's going to do some amazing things through this series, but even more than all of that, the simple reason is because I love my church. 
People go get t-shirts, right? There's whole campaigns that you can be a part of. I heart my church. How many make the Instagram heart? Come on. You guys, these are the jokes. This is it. This is as good as it gets. If you're not laughing now, this will be a long three hours. I do. I love my church. In fact, in fact, Brenda and I, we've been here a little over two years total. And, and let me tell you, we feel so fortunate and so blessed to be able to be a part of this body. So I really can't help it. And I've got to spend a few moments and brag on each of you. And as I was going through some of these stats and looking at some of these things, some things really just jumped out. And if you're a numbers person, you'll enjoy this. And if not, I hope you'll appreciate what we're talking about. So I'm going through some of these stats, and I'm looking at our average Sunday morning attendance, right? I look at that kind of stuff. And and right now, this current month, uh, right up until this month, the past year including now, right around 95 to 100 is our average Sunday morning attendance. We had 85 here for a Christmas Eve service. And that's, that's a good thing. But right around 100, I know that's not a huge number, it's not mega, I get that, but we're doing what God's called us to do. Most weeks it's been a little bit more than 100, but it's been around that. And what I've realized is that that's about a 33 or so, maybe a little more percent increase than over two years ago. 33%. Now, I don't know what that looks like in the business world, but if you're up 33%, I think your boss is pretty happy. But when we're talking about growth in the church, that's actually a staggering number. When you go from a certain number to a certain number and realize that that's 33%, and I had to Google percent values and put them in because I'm not real good at that stuff, percentages. Anybody with me not real good at doing the numbers thing? Nobody wants to admit it. But it's staggering, and I hope you understand that for some of us, it's not necessarily all about Sunday morning worship, right? It's also about what we do during the week and on Sunday school times. In fact, our Sunday school group, Uh, our average attendance for those groups was up 50%. And that's amazing, right? And I don't know how many of you realize, but our children's department that we just spoke about, compared to just a couple years ago, uh, this year our average church attendance for children's church, get ready, 108%. (laughs) I put them in, that's what Google told me. And that's amazing. But the most important and impactful, most impactful number that I come up with when it comes to stats for me is over the past year, we've had numerous people make commitments to Jesus Christ here in this very place. Somewhere around 15 to 20 individuals have either made a brand new commitment or recommitted their lives to following him with all of their soul and mind. Individuals that made a brand new or renewing commitment to follow him. That's an amazing thing. And I know it's not all about the numbers. Okay, pastor, we get it. It's enough about the numbers. But let me tell you this. Every number represents an individual. Hear me. Every single number represents a life in this church and in this community. And I always say, if numbers weren't important to God, then why is there an entire book in the Old Testament called Numbers? Just saying. But it's a quick and easy way for us to realize, it's like an indicator, that God is on the move here at our church. And he's doing something in our midst, and it's humbling, and it's exciting. And and, and God's been at work, and he's going to continue to work through this church. And the most outstanding and staggering statistics were coming out of this past Christmas season. I had the pleasure of going to the Willow Women's Center last week and presenting them a check that you all donated money to their their cause. This is on you. 
Over $2,300 in our Christmas offering went to the Willow Women's Center. And they were blown away. Little babies like those, that little picture in the corner, that they helped to save. And I got to tour the facility in the new side and, and talk with Christy Lee over there and Joe about what we can do to help in even more tangible ways in the near future. It's, it's amazing. And one of the reasons, uh, the many reasons that I love my church and I hope you do too. And the reason that all of this has happened over the past year and, and a few months, it's because of you. Not because your pastor preaches a good sermon once in a while. It's because we have all, it's not because we have all the best programs in the world. It's not because we strive for excellence in everything that we do. It's because many of you have embraced the mission of Jesus through this church. But not only that, you've invested in it with your time and your talents and your treasures, given of your free time, given of your money and your possessions and gifts and skills and abilities. And each and every one of you have made the selfless decision to trade the things you have now, the things that are temporary, to trade those things in for the things that are eternal. And it's because of you. You've allowed God to work in and through you and in and through this church and as you can see, God's doing some pretty amazing things through you and through this church. And so for this morning and for this series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks, I really want to kind of get back in and review and remind ourselves what exactly the mission of the church is and what it's going to look like for General Shepherd Church of the Nazarene. Because every church you go to, well, they all have a mission. Right? Everyone has a mission. They might just say it a little differently depending on what their particular focus is on. But what it really boils down to is, it, is the foundation, the true mission of the church. What is it? To me, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. To me, there really is very little room for debate because the one who launched the church, the one who created the church, he's the one that gave the church its mission in the first place. And so it's all pretty straightforward, the mission of the church. And when we talk about this mission, it's commonly stated in a couple different ways, but they're both related. The first way the mission of the church is stated, it seems to stem from an understanding that the church, the church is the body of Christ. That the church launched by Jesus himself, the church that Jesus created, that Jesus started, the church is the body of Christ. And it was created to continue the work of Christ that he started while he walked this earth. And so Christ's mission while he was here is also the church's mission going forward. So Christ's mission we find stated, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke's gospel. Luke in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 19, and we'll go to verse 10. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. If you have it, say amen. Wow, sword drills. And it's here we find Luke's encounter between Jesus and what we might say or what we might call a wee little man. And right before this verse happens, Jesus and this wee little man, and if you grew up in church or VBS, you all know that song, right? And this wee little man is who? Zacchaeus, a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. 
And what did he do? He climbed, <laughs> he climbed up the sycamore tree. For what? For the Lord he wanted to see. You all have been raised in the church. I'm thankful for those that have been raised in the church. They teach me lessons all the time. But if you don't remember that song, it's a fun little kid song, and now you're welcome. It's stuck in your head now. You can have that for the rest of the day. But the important thing to know about Zacchaeus is that he was, not that he was vertically challenged, but the important thing is that Zacchaeus, to understand, is he was a tax collector, which means he was not only the tax collector, he was the chief tax collector, which means he oversaw all the other tax collectors and in ancient israel and jewish culture jewish culture being a tax collector was not necessarily a good thing to be it was very lucrative a lot of money in it they could make a ton of money but you're not that popular in fact if you were to read some of the church history you would find out that a tax collector is one of the worst people in all of that society you were considered the furthest thing from a godly person if you were a tax collector and I won't ask your opinion of modern-day tax collectors and see how much has changed. But you were far from a godly person. But through his encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus, fast forward, becomes a follower of Jesus. He becomes a follower of Christ. And through this encounter Jesus with Jesus, he models for us what the mission is of the church and what it's all about. And at the end of this perfect example that Jesus gives... Us, the mission, the mission of the body of Christ, the church's mission, came in verse 10. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's the mission of the church as well. To seek and save the lost. All the programs, all the things we do here, all the events, all the HOPE, all of that is to seek and to save the lost. There's another place in Scripture where Jesus communicates the mission of the church, and this time he's telling it to his disciples. And this is after the resurrection. Jesus is re- preparing to return to heaven, and he shares with his disciples. It's over in Matthew 28. The ones that are going to take over the church after he leaves, the disciples, he says this is the mission of the church. It's, called, it's what we call the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. He says, Therefore... That one? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, wherever we heard this, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Teaching them to obey. The mission of the church is to create disciples, create followers of Christ. And that certainly includes, but it's not limited to, us being the conduit through which people come to know Christ to experience salvation. So the reason the church exists is to make followers of Christ. We tend to complicate matters. But this is the reason the church exists. In other words, in every community, every place where a local church exists, there should be more and more people that are coming to Christ, following Christ. And that's what the church is about. That's the purpose of the church. In fact, 
if a church is not doing that, well, I believe they're not really being the church at all. If the church is not doing these two things that Jesus talks about. You see, the local church exists to draw people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. To help people understand and experience the the intimacy with Him. To help people experience community with one another. Like what Francis Chan shared about in that video. Yeah, you could take a lot out of a church service. You can get get motivated, you can get inspired, you can read, you can even read the scripture and get motivated, get inspired through the word. And you can keep that to yourself and you can be blessed. But the Bible calls us to to share this experience with one another. Do yourself a favor and do a study of the phrase one another in just the book of Acts, let alone the New Testament. And you'll find that God wants us to have community and relationship with one another. Encourage believers and non-believers alike. But get beside your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and encourage them to leverage what they have. Leverage their influence. Leverage their possessions, their resources that they have in their community to reach those that are far from God. And I don't think there's a single thing in that mission that any of us would really disagree with, right? There's not anything that we would have a problem with. And so the question for us as a church that is that if our mission is to create disciples, create followers of Christ, then what's the how? How how do we do that? And that's what we've got to think about. How are we going to accomplish this mission? If this is the mission, that's clearly outlined by Jesus in the Scriptures. How do we do that? What's our vision to accomplish that mission here in the Shenango Valley and surrounding areas? What's our vision? What's our approach? How do we do that, Pastor? What's that look like? How do we approach that mission, accomplishing that mission that Christ has given us? And so I think to answer that question, we need to ask ourselves a different question. The other question of why is that important? How do we do it? Okay, how do we do it? But why is it important? Why is it important for us Uh, as a church, to have an intentional plan to make disciples in the place that we live. I mean, can't we just kind of, you know, go out there, you know, and swing the doors of the church open and wait for the heathens all to come in? Huh? Can't we do that? Right? Not so long ago, certainly in my lifetime, the church used to think that way. Help me out, some of you folks that have been in the church a little while. I mean, can't you just say it's in the Bible, you know, just uh, it must be true, right? Just preach it and teach it and people will just come in and believe it. And they'll come in by in the droves, just open the doors and preach the truth. And here they come. Expect come people to come in and nod their heads, come in and repent at an altar. It's just going to happen, right? We just open the doors and people can come in. And not so long ago, that's kind of how the church operated. We open the doors, and, and the heritage of, of, of people of faith would just bring people in with them, and it would just kind of happen that way. And I think we understand that we live in a world that is very, very, very different today. We live in a culture that is very different from the days of even 30, 40 years ago. In fact, in the last 20, maybe 25 years, the culture in our nation, in America, has changed drastically, radically. In fact, today, we live in what's called a post-Christian nation. How many who have lived a little while thought we would ever hear those words? 
We live in a post-Christian nation. What does that mean? It's where the dominant culture, the dominant worldview in our nation is no, lo- no longer a Christian worldview. We're now in a post-Christian nation. And I know that's hard to accept, and some of it, it, makes, it, it hurts our stomach a little bit to even think that. And I know it's something that's hard, and we don't want to really kind of embrace it, but it doesn't make it any less true that we don't want to believe it. Not accepting that fact doesn't make it any less true. We live in a post-Christian culture. And what are we talking about exactly about a post-Christian culture? Well, it's, it's really the majority of the people in our culture, in our world today, they have some exposure to Christianity, some exposure to the church, and they've intentionally chosen to adopt a different way of life. And so that, that the opportunity has been there for the, the Christian culture to be out there, but they have chosen to adopt a different way of life. That's what a post-Christian culture is. It's not that they don't know anything about Christianity. And I believe that the, when the Bible talks about uh, that everyone is going to have an opportunity to hear the gospel before Jesus comes back, I believe that in America, if you live in this country, you have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Every single person in this country has had an opportunity to at least been exposed to or have heard the actual words of the gospel. And I believe that's true in a lot of places on this planet. What about the tribe and so-and-so? Yeah, there might be a few left. But statistics tell us that almost every corner of the world has been evangelized, has heard the message of the gospel. And have chose, some have chosen a different path. It's a post-Christian nation in America for sure. Their experience with Christianity, maybe with the church, has been unconvincing for them. It's been uninspiring for them at the very least. It's seemingly been irrelevant to their lives. And in many cases, young men and women that are walking away from the church of their parents, it was never fully their faith to begin with. Can I get a little agreement on that? That if people are walking away from the faith of their parents, they never really embrace that faith to to be their own. And there has to come, I used to talk to a friend of mine, there has to come a time in people's lives, maybe it's in the teen years, maybe it's somewhere in there, a little after, a little before, but it's right in that crucial area of their lives that they have to make that decision. Do I believe this because it was taught to me, or do I believe it because it's fundamentally true? There's a big gap there. Do I believe this because my parents told me to believe it? When you start making decisions on your own, you start to think for yourself a little bit in those years. And it's different for everyone. I realize that, but it's somewhere in that age range. Do I believe this because my parents told me to believe it and drug me to church? Or do I believe it because it's actually true? And when they believe it because it's actually true, then they start to take some ownership of their own faith. But a lot of times if they abandon that, it wasn't really theirs in the first place. And instead they embark on this mission that the culture has given them. A mission, a quest to find happiness in life. Do what makes you happy. Right. And that's the goal, the predominant goal of the people that live in our world today. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but happened to be flipping through the channels last week. This is free. This isn't even in my notes. 
And I have realized that the celebrity culture that is predominant, it's all over social media, it's all in front of your kid's face and your grandkid's face every single day. They look at these celebrities and they hold them in high esteem. The celebrity culture that I saw, I think it was the Golden Globe Awards. Anybody catch a little bit of that on TV? Come on, it's okay. I'm not going to drag you up here and make you repent if you did. The message that was being sent loud and clear was not the messages found in Scripture. It was the complete opposite. The complete opposite. The outright disgusting sin and things that I heard and saw on that stage, it turned my stomach. But it was like a train wreck. You know, you can't stop watching it because you want to see what's going to happen next. I could, you know, you got you to look at the accident, right? It was like that. I had to kind of, how bad it really is this? And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. For instance, do you remember the story of Noah? I mean, Noah in the Bible. Not Noah Wiley or one of the other Noahs that I'm talking about. Noah in the Bible. The story of Noah. Remember when, when there was like some water and some rain? And there was an ark, arky arky, right? And then Noah, the, 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 the ark came to rest. And it was a little while before they could come out. But when they came out, what did they see? Right, right. And the rainbow was God's, God's promise to Noah and us, right? The rainbow is ours. I want my rainbow back. In the church. I want my rainbow back. That is not yours. The rainbow is ours. That's free. Loud and clear, Facebook friends. I want the rainbow back. I also want Christmas back. But that's a whole other thing. Alright, no it's not. If you're going to... If you're going to have your little gift-giving time and your little, your little celebrating time and your little get-together time and all of that materialistic kind of thing that Christmas is not, y'all can do that. Just don't call it Christmas. Call it something else. Call it celebration of gift-giving. I don't care what you call it. I want Christmas back. I want Christmas back. Christmas is the birth of Christ, celebrating our Savior. I want Christmas back. I want our rainbow back. I'll sign a petition today. I'll start a petition. All right. It's a post-Christian nation, is my point. And no more prevalent than what I saw on that screen. And I want my rainbow back. Because they've been there, done that, and tried that at church in a lot of cases. And they haven't really embraced their faith. They've, and they've actually chosen to do something different. And this post-Christian dynamic in our culture, it demands that if we're going to be a church that's on a mission, a church that's focused on the mission that Christ himself gave himself for us, or for, that it demands that we be a different kind of church. It demands that we may do church a little bit differently. It demands that we, as a people, be the church. Gone are the days of throwing the doors open and hoping people come in. We have to be the church. And it may look different than it ever has before, but we've got to have a vision. We've got to have a plan about how we're going to fulfill this mission of the church right here in western Pennsylvania. And one of the and don't think that this, this culture that I talked about isn't right here in western Pennsylvania. 
it's going to touch your life in one way or the other. The antithetical culture, the post-Christian culture, is already touching your life. Pray for people. But one of the ways we can express the desire to fulfill this mission is be a church that is both deep and wide. And the way we're going to accomplish the mission during this season of ministry is by continually and intentionally taking steps forward in the direction of becoming a deep and wide church. And you're wondering, okay, pastor, what does that mean? What is that all about? What's deep and wide? Let me tell you, you picked the perfect Sunday to be here and the perfect series to listen to because my goal is to explain over the next several weeks what that means for us to be a deep and a wide church. And it may have some new language wrapped around it, but it's really nothing new to the church world, to the dynamics in the church. In fact, many of you know, and you've been to churches like this, churches that we would say are described as a deep church. What's a deep church? They're deep, boy, they're deep over there. Deep church. Type of church where they're focused and and, and laser-focused on learning Greek and Hebrew and the original language and they can dig in and get deep in-depth Bible studies and it's and it's the type where they seem to be focused because of the programs that they have they seem to be focused more on the mature believer or, or getting deeper in our relationship with God and there are maybe some new Christians or or maybe or less the seeker type of a, of a person going to these churches because they're very 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 serious about the vertical aspects of of faith and our relationship with God, the vertical aspects than they are with the unchurched people in their community. And please don't get me wrong or misunderstand me. It's, it's a good thing. It's a great, wonderful thing to be serious about your relationship with God. It's a very good thing. But there's more to that than our relationship than just our own private, personal spirituality. That's what I'm getting at. There's more to our relationship with God than just our own private, personal spirituality. See, some places, they're very good at being very deep, and that's a good thing. But many times, over time, it it tends to creep more toward inwardly focused than outwardly focused. There's some very deep churches, very deep places out there in our world today. But there's also many churches out there that we would describe as being a wide church. A wide church. These are churches that that focus on being more wide than they are deep. Oftentimes, going to these services, it can also sometimes feel more like a concert with a good motivational speaker than it does really a church service. And I mean, some of you have been to church services like that, I know, and you get that feeling about being good, you know, a good feeling about yourself when you leave, but you're never really challenged, you never really grow spiritually or take steps to deepen your faith. And this is the kind of church where you might get invited and, and it feels engaging and you feel like you might fit in. And maybe even a church where you first gave your, your life to the Lord, where you were saved. But then maybe you don't stick around very long because, you know, you just don't have opportunities to grow and to connect. And there's churches that are deep and there are churches that are wide. But we believe that there's not an either or endeavor, but that you can be both. The right answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I always say that. When people come at me with extreme problems and extreme questions, one person says this, the other one says this, the truth and the right answer is probably somewhere in the middle. We believe that when the church is is to be what it's intended to be with Christ's mission in mind, that we believe if we're going to be effective ministers of the gospel, and that's everybody, not just me, 
in this post-Christian Christian culture, we've got to pursue a calling to be a deep and wide church. If we have both depth in terms of helping one another grow in our relationship with Christ, as well as have a wide reach into our community, actively engaging people in our community with the love of Christ, you know, in a relevant, meaningful, and ultimately transformative way. We believe that this is the church that God has called us to be. And Jesus himself shows us how important this is, how important that both dynamics be a part of a church that is on mission. And in Matthew chapter 22, just a few pages over, he shows this himself in what he says. He says this in verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, a deep church, they would read this passage of Scripture, and they'd say, yeah, we're, we're carrying out God's greatest commandment, right? We're focusing on loving God. We're focusing on growing deeper with God, and that's a good thing. But if that's their sole focus, sometimes they're missing out on something very important. The second part. And the second is like it. So the phrase is like, the the second phrase is like the first, he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says that these are equal phrases. The second is like the first. Love God, love your neighbor. Get deep, be wide. All of you that started those New Year's resolutions, it's time to get wide. Get deep and get wide. In fact, the way that we love others, the way that we love others, no matter where they are in life, and the way that we get deep, is to have this relationship and be on mission of being a deep and wide church. So here at the Gentle Shepherd Church, the Church of the Nazarene, if I can get it out, our goal for this year, in my heart, It's not something that happens overnight, not something that happens quickly, not some magic that happens. It takes time, it takes effort and sacrifice, and it's not just something we can all agree on and then it just happens. Yeah, pastor, let's be deep and wide. Amen. Let's go to lunch. It's something we have to work at, and I believe it doesn't even start with the church as a whole. It doesn't even start as the congregation gets together. It starts on a very personal level very personal. It starts in our personal spiritual lives, our individual lives, that first we have to pursue deep, being deep and wide on a personal level. We have to address this in our personal lives. So my challenge for you to think about today, leave here with this today, maybe even wrestle with this today. Don't we love that word as Christians? Pastor, I'm wrestling with something. I love that. Is your approach to life and faith one that is both deep and wide? Is your approach that is that, to life and faith one that is both deep and wide? Are you committed to doing whatever it takes to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ in the years ahead, in the year ahead? This church will provide you opportunities to do that. We have Sunday Bible studies. We have Wednesday night discipleship groups. We have, we have all kinds of ways to connect. We have children's programs. We have Sunday school. We have everything We have all these ways for you to get deeper in your relationship with Christ and with others. Will you pray prayers that help open yourself up to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Prayers that might ask us to do something that we're a little bit uncomfortable with. 
being fully committed, fully devoted to Jesus? Are you committed to doing whatever it takes to grow deeper with Christ? Because in our relationship with God, there's no kind of staying level. There's no status quo. Each and every single day, we should be taking steps to get closer to Him. Because you're either for me or against me, right? It's, it's kind of that attitude. You're either drifting away or getting closer. There's no, I'll just stay here for a while, Pastor. That doesn't last too long. You either start to drift away or you're doing things in your own life to get closer, deep and wide. Are you actively engaged in your own personal spiritual growth? And in the same way, are you living your life and pursuing your faith in a wide way? Are you out there looking, searching for ways that you can unconditionally love others? How can you reach out? How can you love other people, even those that are very, very, very different from you? People that look different from you. They might have made different lifestyle choices than you. Even those who have different priorities. Those that might look and say amen. They've got the same issues. And these folks, some of these folks are steeped in sin. I get it. And they need some serious help. Are you looking for ways to love them? How can I love them? Wide. Do you look for opportunities to invest in people's lives? Not just say, hey, good morning and how are you and see you later. But are you investing in people's lives? Invite them to come and see, come and experience what the body of Christ is all about. That's why I passed out the invite cards in the beginning of the service. You don't have to have all the answers. But you can have an invite card and bring them to a church service where they'll meet the one with all the answers. Jesus Christ. Because I believe that being a Christian was never a spectator sport. We were never meant to sit on the sidelines. We were meant to, never meant to just sit there and watch everyone else run the plays. We were meant to be in the game. We're meant to be a starter, if you will, your sports fans. We're meant to do this in our, cell, in our lives, ourselves, and not be a bench warmer. And so if we're going to be a church that's faithful to the mission of Christ that he has given, then each and every one of us have to be willing to engage the world around us. Not be of the world, but definitely be in the world. If we're going to see and realize this call to a deep and wide church, it's got to start with you and me. Week one, the mission and vision, why I love my church. I believe we'll see lives transformed this year. I believe we'll see the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. And I, will, I believe that we will see the people in our neighborhoods changed. And our community can be changed. Let us stand. I want you to imagine something with me as we close For just a few moments, picture in your mind's eye. Close your eyes if you need to. I suggest you do. Can you imagine for a few moments this church and every church in our community filled to the brim? That it's so full in here that we have to open up overflows and we have to figure out other ways because we don't have enough seats for everybody. Can you imagine that this morning? 
Can you imagine having so many come to Christ through this church and through the and through the churches in our community that we have to link together and have baptisms together at least once a month? Can you imagine that? So everybody can get fit in? Can you imagine having so many kids in our children's ministry that we got to tear down walls to make more space for them? Can you imagine that? So many children that we need to tear down walls, make other spaces for them so that we can be actively engaged in raising the next generation of the church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine with me having a youth group that infiltrates our school systems? The youth that are so passionate about their faith and inviting their friends, but more importantly, inviting them to a relationship with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine as a church being so impactful and influential in our community that community leaders, whether they're people of faith or not, they would feel a great loss if all of a sudden our church wasn't here? Can you imagine that? It's possible. It's absolutely possible. But only through the amazing gift that Jesus left when he left the world, what we call the church. And I believe that it's only possible for us when we're actively engaged in the mission of the church and being the church and growing deeper and reaching wider, not only as individuals, but as a congregation. We're going to look at that in the next few weeks, and I hope you'll be here. It's a great, great series to come in and be a part of. We're going to look at how to be a deep and wide church and how to serve our community and how to get closer to Christ through it. you'll come back to hear the rest of this I Love My Church series as we close in prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning those in this room and those listening online this morning you're not here and you're not tuned in by accident I believe that God has orchestrated time and space for you to hear this message and so this morning I would just say to you ask God through the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me through this message God Are you speaking directly to me, God, this morning? So as we bow before the Heavenly Father with heads bowed and eyes closed, we pray this morning, God, in Jesus' name, help us to fulfill the mission that Christ started here so many years ago. And that Jesus, as you left this earth, and left those here in the church to be in charge of that mission to seek and save the lost to love God and love our neighbors help us to embrace this mission God help us to to figure out what that means in our own personal lives and then Lord as we gather together in our different gatherings throughout the week Father help us to ask the questions of how we can grow deeper and wider in our faith. And as we continue to pray with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to give you the opportunity, sitting here in church this morning, you're not here by accident, God has you here for something. And if you've heard all this and you think, Pastor, I heard the preaching and I heard you saying what you're saying, 
And Pastor, I don't even know where I stand with this God you're talking about. If you don't know him as your Savior, let me tell you something. He loves you. He wants nothing more than to have a relationship with you this morning. Don't leave here the same as you came in. Say, Pastor, well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, God's standard is perfection. How's that working for you? So if you stand before God this morning, not a perfect person, and you know it, know this, that God sent his son to die in your place for every sin that you've ever committed, known or unknown. Every sin that you've ever committed is forgiven through Jesus' shed blood on the cross. Say, Pastor, I need a relationship with a God that would save me, that would go to that trouble. To make it simple for you this morning, I don't want to leave here without giving you the chance to receive that Savior, to have a relationship with Him starting right now. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Maybe you've come in this morning, you've been coming a few times, and you you said, today's my day. I'm going to go to church this week, and that's my time. I'm ready to commit my life to this Jesus. If that's you this morning, this is your opportunity. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. I receive him this morning. Praise the Lord. I'll give you one more chance as I look around the room. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need a relationship with this Jesus. Amen. Father, you've seen those that have raised their hands. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin and work in them. And that they, Lord, would tie into things here at this church that they would be a part of a growing community of believers that would wrap their loving arms around them and say, let me help you. Father, use the people of your church to help disciple and grow others in their faith. I thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're about to do. God, as we leave this place, may we not depart from your presence. Go with us as we go you're listening online and you've made that decision drop a comment drop an email however you need to connect father you see them help us lord in these decisions 